It's Sunday before Christmas, and uh, we have so much to look forward to. And uh, today we're talking a little bit about something different, something that we're all going to experience in a few days. Like so, so have you guys ever gotten something that you're like, man, I wish I could take it back? Like you got an ugly sweater, and you're just like, oh, I hope there's a gift receipt in there. I mean, what you said was, thanks, this is really nice. What you meant was, I hope there's a gift receipt in the bag, right? Like, you probably all got, I remember one time I got a uh, space shuttle tie. Now, you know, you'd think that, you know, ooh, a space shuttle tie, like, who wouldn't want one of those? But, like, usually the times that I wear a tie are usually at weddings and funerals. And as it turns out, most people are not as excited about you wearing a space shuttle tie as the wedding as you would think. And so that's when, and sometimes there's a pastor I don't know if you guys know this, but like when people think about like, oh, I gotta, I'm going to get my pastor a gift, and they don't know what to get them. Do you know what they get? A cross. And so I have like a thousand crosses like that I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? So you guys are also going to get gifts like that. You're going to have to figure out like, am I going to take it back and exchange it? And probably what's going to go through your mind is, is it worth it? Because you're going to think about the exchange line and how impatient are gonna be, people are going to be, how long it's going to be, what the store is going to be like. You're like, oh, I don't know if I just want to make that exchange. But today, I want to talk about exchanges that are worth making and to help you experience that there are good exchanges, exchanges that are sweet in your life, that we're going to play a little bit of a game. So did everybody get a piece of candy when you got in and you didn't eat it yet? That is fantastic. If you didn't get a piece of candy, hold up your hand. Someone will bring you a piece of candy. You're going to need it for this game. Otherwise, you're going to feel left out and it's not going to be as sweet. So just hold up your hand. They'll get you a piece of candy if you didn't get one. And uh, they, you're going to want it. It's going to be a good game, and you're going to love it if you have it. So thank you, Jason, bringing some candy out. You are a popular guy. Man, fantastic. All right. So here we go. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to so to play this game. I think there's instructions. Okay. This is called the left-right game. Okay. And you're going to do some exchanging, but you're going to have to form a circle. So here's what I recommend. If you're in a row, like you're going to do every other row, so like two rows together can form a circle. It's important to form a circle because if you're facing opposite directions, left and right's not the same direction. So it's easier to form a circle. Now, circle is that shape that goes like this. In case you were confused, can't find a person in your row, just form any circle will do. But if you stand up, the rows facing, some of the rows facing forward can turn around. You can form a circle with your two rows, and we'll play the game. Go ahead. Get in your circles. All right. Stand up, move to a circle, and then we'll get started. I'll explain how to play the game here. Okay, everybody got their circle? Find your circle. Okay, looks like you guys did good at figuring out a shape. That's fantastic. Okay, so here's how we play the game. I'm going to read a story about Frosty. Every time you hear the word left, you're going to pass your candy to the left. When you hear the word right, you're going to pass it to the right. Got it? Not too hard. If you don't know which one is your left and right, just do what everybody else is doing, okay? That'll, that'll, that'll help that situation. Okay. Are you all ready? Okay. Everybody got a group? Go ahead. If you didn't get a group, jump in. It's okay. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Frosty, the left-handed snowman, everybody get that, was a right, jolly, happy soul. With a corncob pipe and a button nose, the left of his nose and the two eyes left and right around. Frosty, the left-handed snowman, is a fairy tale, they say. He was made of 
right white snow, and the children know that he came right to life that one day. There must be some magic left in that old silk hat they found. For right when they placed it on his head, he began to dance right around. Oh, Frosty, the left-handed snowman, was alive and left-handed too. And children say he could laugh right and play, and just the same as you and me. Thumpity thump left, thumpity thump left, look at Frosty go. Thumpity thump left, thumpity thump left, right over the hills, bright with snow. Frosty, the left-handed snowman, knew the sun was bright and hot that day, so he said, let's run, we've left some time for fun now, before I melt right away. Hold on, here we go. Right down the village with a broomstick in his left hand, running right here and left all around, Tag my right hand if you can. He led them right down the streets, down the town, right through traffic cop, and only paused a moment when he heard his right hand and hurled stop. For Frosty, the left-handed snowman, had to hurry right on his way, but waved goodbye left, saying, don't you cry, I'll be right back again someday. How'd we do? If you have a piece of candy, you won. That's good. Okay? If you got two pieces of candy, you cheated, give it to somebody who doesn't. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Good job, guys. Now you can eat your candy and enjoy that sweet treat and know that sometimes making exchanges aren't long lines. Sometimes making exchanges are really good things. They remind us of good things, and those are the exchanges that we're talking about today, exchanges that God wants to make for you. There's all kinds of things in your life that when you give them up to God, God has a good thing in store for you. We bring God our worst, and God gives us his best, and that's God's deal with us. He's always asking for those good exchanges. Now, there's a ton of those exchanges we could talk about today because God promises them over and over again and we can speak from many of us from experience about how good those exchanges do work when you trust God with them. We're going to talk about three today. Three that are especially pertinent to this season at Christmas, okay? And so if you want to get out your outline today, you can find it in that little thing that says a scoop on the front. There's a little outline inside that can help you follow along today as we talk about these three exchanges that we can all make. And the first one, the first exchange you might need to make this Christmas is anxiety for peace. Anxiety for peace. Now, we've all got a little bit of anxiety and this is and a little bit of worry in our lives and this is a good one that we've all experienced and this time of year we do it a lot to ourselves, don't we? I mean, this time of year we're like, "Hey, you know what? It's December. So, Christmas is coming, so let's have as many parties in this month as maybe we're going to have all year long. Let's just go to people's houses all the time. And you know what? I mean, since we're doing that and up in the ante dial up on all the parties we're going to, I know, here's a good idea. Let's write notes on special cards that we buy with pictures that all of our family looks happy at the same time and send them to everyone we've ever met. Seems like a good idea. And you know what? That's not really enough, so let's go ahead at the same time and redecorate our house on the inside and the outside. Seems like a good idea. And you know what? While we're doing all of that, why don't we also go out and buy presents, little gifts, special things that we've thought about for every person in our life? Seems like, oh yeah, that's what we should, but that's not enough. 
let's bake cookies and desserts and like let's spend all of our time doing all of that. And then, I know, just to top all of that off, let's have our kids have off on vacation for two weeks and totally adjust their schedule. Like that, doesn't that seem like a genius idea? Who came up with this idea? Genius. It is no wonder that we have anxiety this time of year. It is no wonder that we have worries this time of year, that we're a little stressed out. So, so I talked to Jolie Ness, who's on our staff, and she's a counselor, and she works with our care ministry, and I asked her, like, we asked her for, like, hey, do you have any anxiety symptom things that you can share with us? She said, oh, yeah, I've got one. She sent it my way, but I thought, instead of telling you, why don't we just do a little poll this morning and find out, like, I know that you guys don't have anxiety, but let's say your friend does, and they have symptoms you recognize, and so let's just talk a little bit about what, what are some of the things that help you recognize there's anxiety, there's worry. I see it right there. What are some things that happen to you that make you help you recognize that that's going on? Just shout them out. Can't sleep. Right, that's a good one. Like Everybody's got that one down. Stomach ache. Yeah, like body, your body tells you, like, oh, man, like that thing in your gut. You're like, oh, what else? Your heart flutters, right? Like you feel it in your... Feel it in your chest, another physical symptom. What else? Irritable, right? I mean, your friend is irritable. Not, not you, but your friend is irritable, right? What else? What else do you guys experience? You sweat, right? Yeah, palms are sweaty, you know, like, oh man, what's coming? You're, you're emotionally what? Labile? Oh, up and down. Yes, that's, Chris, that, that, or, that, that's way beyond my vocabulary there. That's like four <laughs> syllables. I can't do that. Thanks for, I'm educated now. That's like word of the day for me. I'm going to use that the rest of the day. You're emotionally, anyway, so, so yes, you're, you're like this all over the place with your emotions. Any, anything else you guys feel like? Yeah, that's definitely true. Ooh, can't eat or can't stop eating. Yeah, I, you know, I have a lot of anxiety this time of year, apparently. I just, man, all those goodies, I just can't shove them and stop eating them in my mouth, right? Like, yeah, these are all, you ever heard the frame, like, oh, my brain wouldn't turn off, right? Like, I can't turn my brain off. And I hear some people tell it, like, like a sign, like a tag of honor, like, hey, I just can't turn my brain off. I'm always thinking. You're like, no, you're always have anxiety. That's what's really going on. Like, we have all these things. We know what they are. And we all suffer from them. And so the question is, how, what do I do about that? If I have all this stress and distress and anxiety in my life, what do I do about it? Well, here's what Jesus says about it. Matthew 6, 34. Jesus says, listen, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. And he, and he says, therefore, and when, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, it's good to go look and say, what is it therefore? And the reason it's therefore is Jesus is actually talking about, listen, I know that you think that you have to take care of all these things in your life and all the details and where you're going to work and where you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep and how you're getting along with people. He says, but listen, birds and the flowers and all these other things in life, they don't worry about any of that. God just takes care of it. And don't you know that God cares about you more than any of those things? So Jesus says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't be anxious. Don't, don't have all this anxiety. Don't let that build up. Don't live your life in this place where you are in constant motion and constant fear of what's coming and what's going to happen and will I be able to keep control of it? And is my life going to be out of control? Don't 
do that to yourself. Each day has plenty of those issues to deal with. Don't live in tomorrow. Live in today and what's going on right here and right now, and then trust God with tomorrow. Now, you know what the problem with worry generally is? Most of it doesn't happen anyway. If you read the statistics on worry, only 8% of what you ever worry about will ever happen. Statistically speaking, only 8% of what you worry about is going to happen. So that means 92% of your time, you are wasting your time when you worry. Now, if you knew there was something in your life that 92% of the time, it was a waste of time, would you still do it? If 92% of the time, you knew it was a waste of time, my guess is you'd stop doing it. You'd be like, well, this is dumb, and I'll stop doing this thing. Like, 92% of the time, it's no, not helpful at all. I'm going to find a better way. And that's the way it is with worry. You've got to find a better way. And Jesus says there is a better way. So what do we do about worry? Now, you know, you might think, well, I'll just stop worrying, right? But most of you who feel anxiety, like when you're feeling anxiety and worry, if you just tell yourself, I'll just stop, do you know what happens? You're worried about what you're not worried about, right? You're like, oh, well, what if I, if I don't worry about that? What's going to happen? And I'm just worried about what I'm not worried about. So that doesn't really work. So what can we do? Well, here's, here's what God says we can do. He says, here's what you do. You bring me your worry. You bring me your anxiety. And I'll give you peace. You make the exchange of trying to fix the unfixable and control the uncontrollable and do the undoable. You take all of that, you bring it to me, and I'll give you peace. In fact, in 1 Peter 5, 7, this is what the Apostle Peter said about worry when it came to dealing with God. He said, listen, I know you're worried, but give all your worries and your cares to God. Why? Because he cares about what happens to you. I mean, if you don't know that God cares about you, if you thought for a second that God is mad at you, I want you to know this morning, he's not. He cares deeply for you. In fact, all of Jesus' life, everything we celebrate about Christmas is Jesus proving to us that God's not mad at you, that God's not out to get you, that God does care about you, and he does want to be involved in your life. And that's why Jesus came, to show us that. So today, like, you need to know God cares about you. And he says, bring that to me. You know, my wife, one of my wife's favorite verses is Isaiah 26.3, and she quotes it all the time because it was on a pretty special lady in her life's answering machine, her Aunt Joy. And it says, basically, God will keep you in perfect peace who trusts in him. He'll keep you in perfect trust whenever you trust in him. And so that's what Aunt Joy would say on her answering machine message when Susie would call. Just remember now, God will keep you in perfect peace if you trust in him. This is the exchange that God makes with us. He says, if you'll trust in me, I'll give you peace. Now, some of you probably go, well, I, you know, I don't know. What about in that situation where I'm going to my families and I know they're just, they're just saying stuff to push my buttons, right? They're just, I know they said that just to get at me or I know they said that. You know what? Instead of letting yourself get all overgeneralized and, and you, like mind reading and thinking that they're saying about that, why don't you just lean into God caring about you? Why don't you just see that as a sign whenever you feel that to say, you know what? That may or may not be true, but God cares about me. So I'm just going to pray. I'm going to take that to God. And maybe some of you think, well, that's, that's fine, but you know, there's all this stuff I should do. And you're always shooting on yourself about what you should do and you should get this done. And you know what? Maybe what you need to do is instead of worrying and feeling anxiety about all the shoulds in your life, you need to take a step back and say, God, you care for me. 
and you've given me the right time, the amount of time I need, and the amount of energy I need to get done what you want. So I'm just going to trust you. What if, instead of all the energy and time you spend worrying and feeling anxiety, what if you converted all that energy into praying? Into taking it to God and saying, God, you care for me. Give me your perspective on this. Help me to trust you with this. And, and not just like take it there. Have you ever done this where you pray and you take something to God and then picture in your mind that you just then you go, okay, God, you got it, great. You, know, you get a little bit farther away and you go back and you grab it and you take it with you. What if you just leave it there? Say, God, you're the only one who can control the uncontrollable. You're the only one who can fix the unfixable. You're the only one who can do the undoable. So I'm just going to have to trust you with it and believe that you have the best in mind for me. And I'm going to surrender that portion of my life and that situation that's coming and say, God, will you handle that? Will you teach me how to walk with you? One of the things that we've been focused on this year as we went through our in our fall, we talked about this. It's about prayer. If you reach in your program guide right now, you'll find a little bookmark. that We just want to remind you of how important prayer is in your life. So there, there's this prayer that we talked about in the fall, just a simple prayer. Father, you're great. You are great. You are able to do more than I could ever ask and imagine. And you are good. God, you are so good in my life. And then I need your help. It's a simple prayer, right? Like when you're feeling worried and anxiety, just to say, God, I need your help. I need your help. It's not complicated to say that. It's not complicated, but you've got to decide, will I lean into God and say, God, you're great, you're good, I need your help. This is a simple prayer. I want to encourage you to, to not just run away from that, not just uh, remove that, not just try to do it yourself, but to pray. And so I just want to, I want to pray this prayer over you. It's from Max Locato's Pocket Prayers. And it just helps you model, like, God, can I sit in this? So I just want to encourage you to do just the next minute or so. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read it over top of you. Just close your eyes and let this be your prayer and your moment with God this morning if you need to do that exchange of anxiety for peace. Almighty God, you speak and it is done. Your words are true. You are powerful and your words bring life. God, give me a desire for your words and for your promises. Sometimes I feel anxious, but I do not turn to Scripture. Sometimes I am fearful, but I forget to ask you for protection. Sometimes I am weak, but I am reluctant to ask you for strength. So renew my desire for constant help. Remind me to return to your word, to your promises. God, make your word as close to me as my friends. Make it close to to my friends. Bring it to their minds as well because they also need your encouragement and direction. Thank you, God, for what the Bible promises for me. Thank you for giving me a gift and a guide. May I never take it for granted. In your name I pray. Amen. May that be your prayer if you need to make that exchange this during this season. But anxiety for peace is just one of the exchanges that we need to make during this season. Another exchange that maybe you'll need to make this season is wounding for healing you need to bring god's your hurt and have him give you his healing you know when you and i give god our hurts this is what he does he gives us our healing and one of the things that i've learned as a pastor is there are a lot of people who have hurts there's a lot of people in our lives that have hurts in fact on my office on a regular basis 
I speak with people who have hurts, and this is what I've learned. There's not one person in this room. Look around the room right now. There's, there's not one person who doesn't have some kind of hurt in their life. It might be a physical hurt. It might be an emotional hurt, a wound, and it's coming up at Christmas time. Maybe, maybe it's a spiritual hurt, something that you have never worked out with God. You just, you've never just touched it. You know you need to work it out, but you just haven't done it. Maybe that's where you are, but every one of us has a hurt in this room. And you know what Jesus said about trouble and about hurt and pain? He said, in this world, you will have it. In this world, you'll have trouble. Don't be surprised when you have trouble in this world. Now, I know that in our culture and in our hearts and our American dreamish kind of thing, right, we're all about the pursuit of happiness. And we've, we've exchanged that for some kind of unrealistic nirvana, right? Like, do you, know what, do you know what it's called when you have a life that's perfect and has nothing wrong with it and everything is awesome and you're always happy and filled with joy? Do you know what that's called? It's called heaven, right? It's not called here. It's called heaven. It's, it's what's to come. In this world, you'll have trouble. And so the question is not, will I have trouble? The question is, how will I deal with the trouble that I have? What am I going to do with it? Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. You get to choose. How are you going to respond when hurts come your way? Now, there's a prophet named Nahum in the Old Testament, and he had something to say about this. He was a guy who lived during a very violent time when Assyrians would behead people and would do all kind of violent acts to people, and he was in the middle of it, and he's the guy telling them, like, you better stop it or God's going to correct it. You better stop it. You better repent. Like, who wants to be that guy? And this is, if anybody had trouble in their life, it was him. He was always in danger, and this is what he said. He said, the Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble, for he cares for those who trust in him. God cares for everybody, but you know what? He says, listen, do never, 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 never doubt. God cares for you. And if you'll trust him, you will experience his care. He says, I, I know what you're going through. You know what Jesus was called? You know what he was called in the Old Testament before Jesus ever came to being? You know what they prophesied about him and nicknamed him? A man of sorrows. Can you imagine that? Do you ever picture Jesus as a man of sorrows? This was his nickname. He would be a man of sorrows. In other words, he would experience life the way we experience life. He was no longer God removed, creator of the universe, holding it all together. He was in the flesh. God in the flesh experiencing the same troubles and the same pains and the same disappointments and the same hurts that you and I experienced. And he experienced it close up because it happened to him. So he knows what you're going through. And you can trust him with your hurts. You can trust him with what God's going through. God, God's going to walk with you in those times of trouble, but you need to trust him with it. And to trust him with it, over and over, you need to remember this truth. God's not mad at you. God's not out to get you. He cares for you. He loves you. If anything proved that to us, it should be Christmas. The fact that Jesus would come, that God in the flesh would come and live the life that we were meant to live and die the death that we were meant to die so that we could have life. God cares for us. He's demonstrated it over and over and over again. God wants to walk with us. And in that, there's, Paul says there's sometimes you're the person who's hurting and you need to lean into God. And sometimes there's someone else hurting in your life. And you know it. Someone around you that just, they need your encouragement. They need to be with you in it, and you need to be that person for them. And it says in 2 Corinthians, sometimes God, he, God comes alongside of us when we go through hard times. 
And before you know it, he brings us. So we've gone through the hard times. We've learned how to lean into God. And then he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. That is a unique and distinct privilege, and everyone needs it. And I see it happen at daybreak all the time. People being there for other people, being agents of God, showing who what God looks like to somebody else. I remember a time in my life when I was really hurting. I was going through some really hard things. And I, didn't, I, honestly, I just wanted to give up. I don't want to keep going through it. And I remember asking my wife, like, how long is this going to last? Like, when am I going to feel again? Like, I just feel so much pain. And I remember her walking. We went for a walk, and she was walking beside me. And she said, God is going to heal you. I know you don't have faith for yourself right now, but I have faith for you. And I love you. And God is going to heal you. And that's exactly what I needed to hear. And she was right. But I needed to hear it from her. I needed to know that even in the midst of that pain, that God did care for me. And her care for me was God's care for me. What's God caring for me? So this morning, if you've got those pains and those hurts in your life, you need to know God cares for you. God wants to be with you. And if you're a person who knows someone who is hurting this time of the year, be courageous. Don't just stand back and watch it. Step in towards them. Let God guide your steps to be God alongside them, to care for them, to speak encouragement to their life, to let them know there is something better. That God wants to be there for them, wants to walk with them in it. We all need that this season. Sometimes it's even like Christmas Eve is coming and maybe it's just a friend who they're going to be alone on Christmas Eve in this, this week. You just need to even invite them to something as simple as a Christmas Eve service and say, why don't you come with me? Why don't you just be with me during that service? And that's, that for them would mean the world. So don't be afraid to be there for someone who just needs to experience God's care. So there's this last transition, that I, or the last exchange I want to talk about. And this, this exchange is kind of like hurt for healing, but it's something that happens much more deeply to us during this season, and we feel it more, and it's grief for joy. During the Christmas season, um, I think all of us maybe feel a little bit more grieving than at other times in our life, especially if there's someone that we miss or, or something that we miss. And if you... If you live this life and you love, you're going to grieve. All of us are going to grieve because you can't love and not grieve. And the reason is because nothing on this planet lasts forever. And no one on this planet lives forever. And so if you love, you're going to grieve. You're going to experience that. And there's going to be special people in your life. And some of you have them, right? Some of you have special people in your life that when it comes to Christmas time, you're like, I miss them. I miss being with them. You're here and they're in heaven. And you're just like, I just wish they were here. I miss their presence. You, you may have felt like I have at other times in my life when I thought, well, you know that old saying, time heals all wounds, so I'll just, I'll just wait here. I'll just wait, and maybe someday I'll feel better. But you know, waiting's not enough. I found that waiting is not what God desires. It's not just waiting that God desires. God desires something more when you need to grieve because he wants to give you something more. And some of us have probably learned, like, you know what? When I grieve, instead of grieving, I'm just going to put, I'm just going to pack that all away. Like, I don't want to feel that. That's too much pain for me, so I'm going to pretend it's not there. I'm just going to kind of pack it in my trunk and act like it's not there. But you know that you can't pack emotions away, don't you? You know that no matter how much you pretend they're not there, 
Down inside, it's still stirred up. Down inside, you still feel it. Down inside, you still at any moment want to weep. You know it's still there. See, grieving is not something that we do by ourselves. Grieving is something we invite God into. It's in a moment that strong emotions that we feel, those are conversations with God. That's what God invented our emotions for. It's a way to connect us with Him and invite Him into our lives. And when we're willing to sit with God and invite Him into those emotions and actually feel them and say, God, I trust that you're here with me and I want to talk to you about it and I'm having a conversation about it, you know what happens to our heart? It's like the Grinch. It grows three sizes. It it expands our heart. We think that grief is crushing our heart, but grief only crushes our heart when we don't allow ourselves to feel it and we don't invite God into it. And when we invite God into it, instead of crushing us, it actually enlarges us. It enlarges us and makes space for God's love and to feel his presence in our life. God wants to be with us in our grief. And there have been seasons in my life where I've just, it would have been enough for God to comfort me when I'm grieving and just, just that God would comfort me. But do you know what God says? It's not enough for him just to comfort you. In fact, in Psalms 30.11, this is what the writer says that God did for him in his, in his grief and mourning. It says, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. It wasn't enough just to get comfort. He says, no, no, God wants to give you more than comfort. God wants to walk you with you in it and give you joy. Look what Jesus promises in John 16. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. When you bring something to God, God says, I want to be there in it with you. I want to enlarge your heart. I want I want to remind you of something. This is what God's always reminded me in the midst of grief. That that's not all there is. That this world is not all there is. That, that whatever it is that I'm grieving, this will not last forever because he promises, I will be with you. And there is a better day ahead, but not just in this world, for eternity. And I have secured your eternity and someday you will sit with me and you will be complete with joy. But right now, even in this season, I want you to know that I want you to learn to experience my joy. Now, for most of us, we've been programmed not to look for joy. And there are things in our life that we just been programmed not to look for. I know well, my dad is in a season right now that like every time I get a phone call that my dad's in the hospital and it happens two or three times a year, I know that as I'm driving to the hospital, this could be my last visit with my dad. And I could be grieving that. I could grieve it every time, and I do a little bit on the way. But then God always reminds me, when you're there in the hospital, it's a rare occasion for you to sit, to just be with your family. It's a rare occasion for you to hug your mom and cry with her. It's a rare occasion for you to talk about things with your dad that you might never talk about other times. It's a rare occasion that your brother is going to be in because he doesn't live close by. Find joy in those moments. God invites us to that. We're programmed not to look for it. I mean, when the weather comes on, right, when they, when they forecast the weather, do they ever say, hey, tomorrow's an 80% chance of sunshine? No, what do they say? It's a 20% chance of rain, right? We're always looking for what's wrong. God wants to look for good, and maybe you need some good news. Maybe you need some of that good news, and today we're talking about that because today is about baptism. Today's about finding good news. Do you know what baptism is all about? It's about finding and discovering the good news that Jesus says that Jesus came for in Luke chapter 2, that the angels said to the shepherds, and the shepherds were outcasts. They were outsiders. They did not belong in religion. No one wanted them to be around. They felt like they were totally on the outside. And the angel came to them first 
And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. And what is this good news and great joy? That it'll be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born to you. You might want to circle that word Savior because this is the good news. And a Savior is someone like if you were climbing a rock cliff wall and you were about to fall and you're hanging on just by a pinky and your friend reaches down and grabs your arm just in time and pulls you to safety. In that moment, he's your Savior. Or in that moment where you're like you're stuck in Silver Springs Plaza. And who designed that place anyway? That is the most ridiculous designed exit. It's like they want you to stay there forever at Christmas. And you're stuck in traffic and you're like, oh, I can't get out. And a helicopter comes along with a big magnet and it attaches to your roof. You know you've all wanted this. And it picks you up and flies you to your house. You're like, yes, right? Like, like we've all experienced that. Like in that moment, that helicopter, that's your savior. Like, man, thank you. For that moment where maybe you needed a heart transplant and someone dies and gives their heart to you and at that last moment, that last breath, you've been desperate to survive and they give you a new heart. And it means survival in that moment. They're your Savior. See, this is what it means to have a Savior. And Jesus died so that you could have a Savior. So that all your past could be forgiven. So that the wall of separation that you built between God and you because you didn't think he cared, because you didn't think you were good enough, because you knew that there was stuff in your life that you could never be perfect enough for God. You knew that there was justice that had to be fallen out, and you've been worried about all your life, and you've been trying to be good enough, or you just gave up on it. Jesus died and took death and said, I'll take all that on me. I'll take all your shame. Give me all of your sin. I'll take all of it from your past, your present, and your future, and I will put it on me. I will take it. I will be the sacrifice and the justice for you so that you can know the goodness of my Father. So that you don't have to live separately anymore. So that you don't have to be separated from God. So you don't have to be separated from joy. So you don't have to be separated from life. Because Jesus did all that for you. That is the story of baptism. It's the story of people who say, kids and adults who say, listen, I've made a decision that God's way is a better way. That I I can't do this on my own, and I want my past forgiven, and I want my future forgiven, and so I've decided, Jesus, you'll be my forgiver. Be my Savior. Rescue me in my moment of need, and now I want to put that on display for everyone to see. I want to say to everyone, like, listen, Jesus is my Savior, and my future is held in his hands. So that's what we're going to celebrate today. We're going to celebrate it right now. Everybody that's going to be baptized is going to come. We're going to play a little music, and here's what I want you to do. This is a big decision for them, but it's a reminder to you of what God wants to do in your life and the joy that he has for you. And so as those kids go down into the water and they come back up, I want you to hoot, and I want you to holler, and I want you to scream. I want you to let them know how excited you are for them because you're also excited for you and what God has to offer you. All right, this is Kyan Ziders. He's 12 years old, and he wanted to get baptized today because he wants everyone to know that he wants a close relationship with Jesus Christ. So Kyan, now is an outward display of the decision that you've made in your heart to allow Christ to be your Savior. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be dead to yourself and alive in Christ. up now is Greta Harkreader. Greta is eight years old and she wants to get baptized today because Jesus changed her life 
and she loves Jesus. So now, Greta, as an outward display of the inward decision that you made to accept Christ as your Savior, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be dead to your sin and alive in Christ. Now we have Adelaide Harkreader. Adelaide's six years old, and she wants to get baptized today because she loves Jesus, and he changed her life, and she feels good because of that. So now Adelaide uh, is an outward showing of the inward decision you made in your heart to accept Christ as your Savior. We baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Be dead to your sins and alive in Christ. join me just for a moment as we pray over them. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd bless every one of them today. I pray that this would be a marker in their life and a moment where they know that the Savior is good. No matter what comes, no matter how much trouble they face in life, may they know that they can always take your hand, that you'll always be there for them, that you'll always guide them, and that your purposes and your plans are so much better than their own. May their whole life be filled with that joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. So this morning, um, I don't know where you find yourself, but I want you to know that whatever exchange you need to make, just like they made today to celebrate that exchange that they made and said, Jesus, I want you as my Savior, you can make those exchanges today too. Whether it's anxiety for peace, and you've been stressed out, Christmas is coming, you're just, oh, you're worried about things and you feel it, you know, and we lost those symptoms. You had them. And you know that God promises you peace. Today is your day to exchange it. Make that exchange again. To live differently. Or today maybe you've had hurts in your life and you know that they've, they've been deeply paining you and you've been hiding them, you've been suppressing them, you've been not dealing with them, not exposing them. And today is a day for you just to expose it to God. Say, God, this is what I feel and I know that you want to be there. I know that you care about me and you want to love me through it. Today maybe you're grieving and you need to just go to God and say, God, will you be here with me? I need to have a conversation with you about this. And I need to feel your joy. I need you to help me find your joy. Because there is a Savior. This is not the end. This is not all there is. There is something more. So I just want to take a moment and pray and give you an opportunity right where you are in this moment. Say, God, here's where I am and here's what I need. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer that lets you make it your prayer to do those exchanges this morning. Let's pray together. God, this Christmas, we all need something to exchange. Every one of us here needs to make an exchange. So God, I pray first, Lord, there are things in my life that I've been worried. There are things in people's lives here they've been worried about. They've been anxious, but they felt anxiety. So God, today, you give us your peace. Give me your peace. I give you that thing I'm worried about, the thing I have anxiety about. Give me your peace. God, today, we've all had hurts. Things that people have said, things that people have done. Physical things in our body. And God, today, we need to ask for your healing. We make an exchange our hurts and our wounds for your healing. So God, today, say to you, Lord, here it is. You know what it is, Lord. You know how deeply it runs in me. I've been hiding it from you, but I just need to let you see it. Will you comfort me? Will you give me healing?
God, today, some of us are grieving. We've been grieving. We've Christmas comes, and we feel grief over someone we love, someone that's not with us anymore. So we pray this prayer, God, will you exchange that grief for joy? Will you remind us that we have a Savior? That despite the losses that we have in our life, Lord, that there is love. There are good things to look for, that your goodness is still there. That you brought a Savior to remind us that this is not all there is. That there's a new day for us. A day when we'll be reunion with people that we love, that we look forward to with joy. And maybe today, it might be someone's first time. They've never made that decision. They've never made the choice to simply say, Jesus, I've never trusted you with these things. I've never trusted you with anything in my life. I've never really made a progress. I've never said, Jesus, forgive me and lead my life. But I need a Savior. I need someone to reach down that rock cliff and grab my arm right now and forgive me of my past and lead me into a future. So today, may this be your prayer, Jesus. Forgive me. Today is my day to experience your forgiveness and your hope for a better future. Jesus, lead my life. Your way is better than mine. Jesus, So I want you to take a few minutes now. Whatever that exchange is that you needed to make, that you need to make. As the band just plays a little bit, you can get out a response card and reflect on it. I'd love to pray for you this week. I'd love for you just to take a minute and reflect on that. Say, God, what is the exchange that you're inviting me to make today? And record that today.